0: Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Express to Impress podcast. This podcast is all about helping you communicate clearly, confidently, and persuasively so you can achieve your job search and career goals. In the last episode, I talked with Claire Whitmill from the Smart English Coach podcast on how to focus on your English fluency for confident speaking. It turns out that we have a lot to talk about. So we met again, and this time, we talked about how to prepare for a job interview with an American company. Specifically, we explored how your cultural background can affect how you answer interview questions, and ultimately, how the interview turns out. As you know, when you're interviewing for a job that involves working with people from different cultural backgrounds, it's incredibly important to show your cultural intelligence. In this episode, you will learn how to show cultural intelligence in job interviews in English. Before we dive into that conversation, I have some exciting news to share. I recently launched my first organized speaking program in August, and the response has been fantastic. Participants are actively taking part and learning a lot, and with a growing waitlist for the program, I've decided to offer it again in September, and this time I'm excited to add a group chat feature. To keep it personalized, I'm limiting the group size to just six participants. If you want more details, you can visit my website at express 2 impresscom Now let's dive into my conversation with Claire.
1: I think it's really useful to find out more about how our language background can affect the way that we answer interview questions and also if we get the job or not. So Christine, you've done a lot of research on this and you use culture maps to help your students prepare for interviews. Could you tell us a little bit more about these culture maps?
0: Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. And this is a topic I love talking about and working with my students and clients to understand how their culture impacts their performance and and their kind of default answers in, in interviews and helping them become more aware of that and make some adjustments if needed to better connect with the interviewer. So I use Culture Maps from Erin Mayer. She is an American researcher at the Inseed Business School in France, Her work is very popular, very well-known. Even some U.S. multicultural companies require reading her materials. So very influential. And part of it is just the simplicity of these culture maps where you look at all these different areas where our culture impacts how we do business, like communication, giving negative feedback, making decisions, disagreeing. And she plops each country on the map. So she she has a measure, is your culture, low context, high context communication, where are you at on that? And then you can look at all these other countries where they're at. And of course, it's an average, but I will say with all of my students and clients I've worked with, everyone has told me these are spot on. That's been very reassuring. And it's been so enlightening for me and working with people from different cultures and Allowing me to have more empathy when I'm feeling frustrated when I look at this map and I understand this is a cultural difference. You know, this isn't, I can't take this personal. I can't hold them to my cultural standards.
1: So could you tell us a little bit about the countries that are represented then in the culture maps? Where does she get her data from? Which countries does she explore?
0: Yes. So she has as many countries as she can possibly get data for. So most countries are represented. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but most countries are there. Occasionally, I can't find a country, but it is a constant work in progress. And when she can have access to gathering that research, she'll certainly add that to the list.
1: Okay, fabulous. Because I've seen some of the countries which I'm personally interested in, because I've lived and worked there. So for example, France, the Netherlands, Italy, and I've also seen that Spain is on the le- list, obviously, also the UK and the US. But then there are also Asian countries and South American countries that she looks at.
0: Oh, yes, African countries, all Middle Eastern countries. So right. most countries are on the list. And at this point, to access her maps, you do need to pay on her website. So I've paid just one day at a time, and I've gathered the maps that I need at that time and save them. And then I can share them with my students so they can get a framework before they meet with somebody from a different culture for an interview. They can know what they're walking into, and yes. it's been very helpful. And you can just pick which countries you want to see on these maps and generate them.
1: So that's really helpful then if you have an interview with, for example, a British English speaker or an American English speaker and say you come from, I don't know, like France or Brazil or Japan, for example, you're going for this interview and although you know what to expect from an interview in your own country, you may not really know what to expect from a British English interviewer or an American English interviewer.
0: Yes, absolutely. And one thing that I I have found is that many people do think they're prepared. (laughs) But there are these invisible forces, invisible values and cultural influences that we have. And it can hurt you in the interviews if you are telling stories that would be appropriate in your culture, but that are not appropriate in the culture you're interviewing in. And also, like it's been for me, people can suddenly understand why they've had some conflicts or disagreements or frustrations when working with colleagues from different cultures.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating because I can imagine in a British English interview, for example, you may well get a sort of behavioral type question. You know, you call them the star questions. I call them car questions that they're very similar, aren't they? When you have a challenge and you have to say Mm -hmm. how you reacted to that challenge, what actions you took and what the result was. And these interview questions are great to find out about how you behave in certain situations. Could you give us an example of what might not be appropriate if, for example, you're from France or, say, Brazil or a Middle Eastern country, perhaps? What, what would be for you a, an inappropriate sort of answer?
0: Sure. So I prepared a few questions that we could look at. Let's look at, tell me about a difficult decision you had to make for your team. Lovely. So decision-making is done very differently in different parts of the world. So for example, in Japan and the Netherlands, getting consensus from every team member, every step of the way is very important. The decision is made through consensus. And many parts of the world, decisions are made in a very different way. So if you were in Korea or Poland, the boss would make the decision. And so those are the two extremes. And then many countries are somewhere in between where maybe in the UK, the boss is going to get input, but ultimately make that decision. Yes, absolutely. Looking at
1: some of the experiences that I have, the Dutch for example, are very different in terms of leadership and decision making. There's lots of communication, and often people are equal partners in mm-hmm. discussions. Whereas I think in Italy, it's going to be your boss that makes the final decision. So, if they were interviewing for an American company, how should they frame then mm-hmm. that question?
0: Yes, this is a the million dollar question. And I'll tell you what I recommend to my clients. I recommend being honest and sharing how they have handled things, but then taking a moment to educate the interviewer. The interviewer may not know of these invisible cultural influences and say, This was appropriate in my culture. You know, I was rewarded, I was any sort of proof that it was successful. But I understand that this is not the way that. Americans or British people handle these sorts of situations. And I am open to trying what is acceptable and accepted in your company. So I would certainly be willing to adapt my approach if needed.
1: What a lovely answer, because that also shows so much awareness, doesn't it? Of Mm -hmm. how people do business in, in different countries. So you can say, look, this is what happens in my country and this is what was successful for me. But I understand it's different and I'm open to obviously working in a different way. That shows so much awareness and understanding and willingness also to adapt.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I certainly don't recommend... Telling a story that would be more appropriate, but that hasn't happened. That may be tempting for people, but typically the interviewer will see right through it. And so just allowing yourself to give an authentic answer, even though it's not quote unquote, the right answer for, for that culture, but just giving that context and explanation is like you said, going to show them about your self-awareness and and your adaptability.
1: And sometimes also we get questions about your success in a previous job. And I imagine this from American companies. Now, obviously, I'm not American, but I understand the idea of the American dream and Mm -hmm. that anyone can be successful and that success is seen to be a very positive thing. But Mm -hmm. if you're from a culture where success is more down to your team effort or when you don't want to say, hey, look at me, I'm so fantastic, that's considered to be quite almost embarrassing to take credit for success. How would you then suggest somebody answers that question for an American employer? Tell me about a success, for example.
0: Great question. And I do face this challenge, especially with many of my Asian students, right? They are more collectivist cultures and they share in the success. They often use the word we frequently in interviews. And I explain that the interviewer needs to understand their contribution. So they need to use the word I as well. They can continue to use the word we, but they need to incorporate I. So especially in the actions, they need to understand their role in that situation, in that story. And so it's finding that middle ground, still acknowledging teamwork, which is also valued in in the U.S., but showing your personal contribution. I also give a brief summary of American culture. And like you just did, like explaining that it is valued here. And so if you want to work in an American company and you want to impress them, you will need to share your individual contributions. That's what will impress them. I also tell them about telling stories of difficulty where they might feel shame talking about their failures in Asian companies but in the US we grow up with posters of Michael Jordan in all of our schools and it talks about how many free throws he missed and so we see this is the biggest success you can dream of and what they teach us about is all the failure he faced so it's it allows us to start and fail at businesses we have a wonderful robust entrepreneurial environment because of this cultural attitude this acceptance towards mistakes and failure. But it can be quite uncomfortable for some people to talk about their biggest failure, the mistakes, what they would have done differently. But I try to provide a little bit of context and education so they understand like it's very common. We talk about it a lot. And it's like a badge of honor. They will be really impressed and see you as a hero if you talk about something that a challenge you faced and you overcame it. So really just try to focus on that overcoming aspect. But it's uncomfortable for people, for sure.
1: Yes, yes, it is. And I think also, probably in the UK, we're quite close to the US in, in that respect, that we understand that all learning takes place after you have made mistakes. So for example, if you do something wrong at work, Everyone makes mistakes at work, but our way of dealing with that is, you know, to take that person aside into another room and to say, look, you know, this was a mistake and this is how you can improve upon it. And it's not that you get punished for making mistakes, but Mm -hmm. it's an opportunity to improve and to grow and to make a better contribution. But I'm going a little bit beyond myself because I wanted to ask you about when you get the job in a U.S. company, the things that might be expected of you. I want to talk about that a little bit later. But if we could just go back just a little bit to interviews themselves, what speaking tips could you give to somebody who's going to have an interview with an American employer? Obviously, you're going to feel nervous before your interview. And we have talked a little bit about this in a previous episode. but I'm interested in the communication aspect. So is the language you're going to use very direct? Is it very indirect? Do you just answer questions or do you try and develop the conversation? Are you formal, Mm -hmm. informal? Tell us a little bit about a typical American interview.
0: Yes, all wonderful questions. So an interview with an American is often quite casual. This is the feedback I often get from my students. I'm surprised by how casual it felt. They were talking to me like I was an old friend. Really? Um, Now that is not always the case, but I consistently hear this feedback. So I try to warn people that it is going to be a conversation, not you being in the hot seat, being grilled. There's going to be some back and forth and there should be, that's a sign that they're interested in you. And so it is a two-way interview and you're simply trying to find out, is this a good fit? Do I really want to work for them? Do they really want me to work for them? Can we create things together? So just kind of understanding that and making that shift to, okay, I'm going to have a conversation and I want to connect with this person. I want to earn their trust. I want to show them I'm curious. I'm interested in learning from them. And then when communicating with an American, it's important to be precise, clear, simple, almost like you're talking to a teenager (laughs) where you don't want to trust they're going to be able to read between the lines and even repeating your main points, making it very clear. So if you have three things you want to make sure that interviewer walks away with, okay, I am really good at explaining complex information in a simple way to people. If that's one of your main messages, you need to say it multiple times in the interview. So that's a really important aspect. Also, you need to show confidence. So they will only have confidence in you if you show confidence. And this is this hurts women. This hurts minority groups. Um, it's unfair because it's also a cultural, value that many cultures don't adhere to. But this is the way of the hiring process. And so if you want to succeed in American interviews, you need to come across as confident. So you can do that in so many ways. But one example is they ask you an interview question and you say, great question. I just need a few moments to think about that. So that takes confidence to tell the interviewer Wait, (laughs) I'm thinking, but it shows you think you have that right to do that. You speak up for yourself, and you also didn't say apologetically. Oh, I yeah, I'm sorry. I I need. Can I have a few moments to think? So you you just said what you're going to do. Americans are also impatient, so sometimes I work with clients who pause for a long time before answering and. Pausing is great. I encourage it. When people blurt out answers that they're unprepared for, it usually doesn't go well. But with Americans, you need to tell them what you're doing or else they will interrupt you. That is the biggest thing. and, And this takes a lot of work. Many cultures are not what we call low context. Low context means you assume the other person doesn't have a lot of context about what you're talking about. So you need to make it very clear and a lot of cultures are high context. They assume you have a lot of shared information and you're able to interpret what's said and what's unsaid. So we're talking um, about
1: communication styles here, aren't we? Communication style. So, styles, so yeah. when you
0: say low context,
1: you talked about that when you're talking about the types of language that you should use. So you're being very precise, very clear, very simple, as if you're talking to a teenager. That's low context communication so very very simple sentences whereas high context is more sophisticated Mm -hmm. English for example Mm -hmm. it might have more layers of meaning Mm -hmm. for example.
0: Absolutely and a lot of times high context people talk longer so they may tell many details of a story whereas low context it's going to be almost more like a summary
1: Right. So I know right from what you're saying that low context tends to be British English as well. Mm -hmm. We like things to be nice and simple. And even the way we write English tends to be quite short sentences, whereas, for example, Italians, I would say, are completely (laughs) different. And, and when you look at Italian written communication, it's very sophisticated, very long sentences, mm-hmm. quite complicated. And it always used to drive me mm-hmm. up the wall when I received <laughs> written communication from, for example, the bank. I'd say, why can't they write it in a more simple way? So yes, I think that's a really important thing you're saying about interviews. And the, your first thing is that for American interviews. And I would say also for British English interviews to be precise yes. and clear and simple. And you're not going to read between the lines that you said, you're not assuming mm-hmm. other information.
0: Sometimes I tell people, think about it as if you are writing an email with bullet points, right. <laughs> you know, so right.
1: here are my top
0: qualities. Yeah. First, I'm a great listener. And then you give some sort of explanation. Second, So that's very much a presentation or an email style.
1: Yes. And as you said, to repeat the main points, make sure that if you have three, as we call them, takeaways, three of the things you want the person to remember, you're going to have to repeat them. And I loved also your point about showing confidence and how this can have a negative impact for, as you said, women, minorities, because we... Often don't show confidence, but we have to in an interview because you want the other person to be confident in us as well. Mm -hmm. That was a really good point. And presumably, you advise people to practice interviews a lot before they have them.
0: I do. And I, I have a whole podcast episode on how to feel confident and how to show confidence. Excellent. I will link to that in my podcast. Thank you very much.
1: And I like also your point about American interviews being quite informal and you're going to have a conversation. It's not being in the hot seat where you get a whole wall of questions and you have to answer them. Then we're on to the next. Because, again, Mm -hmm. I think that's also more like a British English style. We want to get an idea of the person that's Mm -hmm. going to join the company. Will that person fit in? Mm Is quite important.
0: That's all for today. I invite you to tune in soon to catch the rest of my conversation with Claire. As always, thank you so much for listening to the Express to Impress podcast. If you found this episode insightful, please share it with one friend. See you next time. Bye.